Hi, I'm Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute, and this is the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. We're joined today by Congressman Tom Tiffany, who just got back from a trip to Panama, where he was investigating our own border crisis from a different perspective. Hey, Congressman, thank you very much for being with us today. Happy to do it. Hey, so you just got back from Panama to get a get a different look on our um, our border crisis. What what kind of uh, prompted you to take that trip? Yeah, so I did two trips in the last year, of course, elected in a special election just a little over a year ago, May 2020. And I went down at this time a year ago to Arizona, and I went to the southern border south of Tucson. And I saw how uh, the border wall and local and state law enforcement working with federal authorities could get control of the flow of illegal immigrants. And that's exactly what was happening down there. They really were getting control of the border. Fast forward to this year in uh, two months ago, early April, uh, made a trip down to the Rio Grande area and I saw what was a literal invasion that's going on in our country. Um, After January 20th with the changes in uh, the the executive orders that President Biden put in place, um, basically allowing open borders here in the United States. The flood started immediately, and we saw that in April. And one of the things that I heard from the um, that I heard from the Border Patrol is that uh, many of the migrants they were seeing were not just from Mexico or Central America. They're coming from all over the world. And they said, if you go down to Central America, you can see where it's happening. And uh, among other things, they also said that it's just an unprecedented flow of people. So I got to thinking about that and got connected with a uh, foreign uh, report, uh, a reporter on foreign uh, uh, policy and uh, covers uh, issues throughout the world, Michael Yan and uh, Chuck Holton and ultimately was able to figure out a time to go down and that was a week ago spent about four days uh, down in panama and we really got to see firsthand the incredible crush of migrants that are coming from south america colombia through the darien gap to panama so is it just as it's like we you know we've seen uh, I- images of uh, the crazy scenes going on on our southern border. I mean, like, how does what you saw in Panama compare? Like, is it kind of like you know when you go to the start of the Mississippi and it's uh and it's a creek? You know, by the time it gets you know and just builds you know builds more momentum as it gets to our border. Yeah. So there's all kinds of ways that uh, migrants are coming to the United States. This is one of them, and it's also one of the major ones. I mean, this is a big pipeline that runs from Panama all the way up to the United States, basically going up the Pan American Highway, gets to Mexico, and then um, they're moved up to the United States. But this is a critical point at which they come in to, uh, in which they come into the United States. And we saw it firsthand. Uh, We were down um, at the last village, uh, or I, I should, excuse me, I should say, we were at the first village coming out of the Darien Gap and we were we saw dozens of migrants while we were only in the village for a few hours we saw dozens of my dozens of migrants just flowing into this community and they were overwhelming this little community Bajo Chiquito that has a population of about 500 people they said they have as many as a thousand migrants at a time that are in their community and it's completely overwhelmed them 
and the stench in the community was just unbelievable. And it's a very nice little community, Bajo Chiquito, but it's been overrun. And it's been overrun through no fault of their own, no fault of the Panamanians. It's because of the policies that were changed on January 20th by the Biden administration. Now, did you have a chance to sit down with any Panamanian uh, officials while you were there? Yeah, so we, we especially met with local officials. Uh, this was not an official trip through the State Department, anything like that. But we met with local officials, including in Bajo Chiquito. And what they said is that, you know, we've always had people passing through here are, who are foreign migrants. But they said the flow has become a flood here since January 20th. They said it is noticeable the incredible increase in the number of people that are coming in from all over the world. When I was there, I met a man from Senegal, from Africa. They talked about people coming from Hungary and Romania, uh, many people coming from Iran, Somalia, Pakistan, Bangladesh. They are coming from all over the world. And that's the one thing that I heard from the Border Patrol is they said these people are coming from all over the world. This isn't just Central America and Mexico. And we confirmed that on that trip. And the numbers are staggering. So everything's got a bottleneck uh, through Panama. Like, are there certain countries that are like, you know, welcoming in all these, uh, you know, these uh, ships of migrants from overseas a little bit easier to get into? Or Yeah. So, you know, with the great unrest that's going on in Venezuela, with the breakdown of civil society in Venezuela and with their adverse um, uh, relationship with us at this point, Venezuela has been doing us no favors. But um, even like Ecuador, um, it, they do not require a visa to come into their country. So they've found that to be a good way to come into South America and then get in the pipeline at Panama and go all the way up the country. In fact, we heard from uh, uh, foreign, uh, excuse me, former um, employees of the United States government, they said, they know of instances where people, uh, migrants, flew into Panama City. They could not disembark in Panama City because they did not have a visa. They did not have the papers to be able to do this. They would continue on down to, like, Quito, Ecuador, and they would get into Ecuador and then come back up to Panama and do it via the land route. So, and these people... I mean, are all these people on foot? <laughs> yeah, everything that we saw, um, everybody was on foot, and um, <laughs> but um, but barely. Almost everybody we saw in that village that went through the Darien Gap had a limp, or had to be bandaged up. There was just a very small clinic there with one doctor uh, from Colombia who was there with Doctors Without Borders. He was treating so many people. And I saw a woman wheelbarrowed into the clinic because she could no longer walk. One of our people that was with us had to give a piggyback ride to a guy that um, was um, he, he was carried out of the jungle and we carried him the rest of the way to the medical clinic they had in Bajo Chiquito. And I mean, we saw so many instances of that. We heard from villagers that they saw babies floating down the river. I mean, it's not uncommon to see people floating down the river, including babies. 
that were not able to complete the trek through the Darien Gap. And the reason that that's so important is that many of these people would not have made the trip if we did not have this open border policy. We have put the incentive in place for them to attempt to do this, and many people die as a result of it. Yeah, it is. Sorry, I was just going to say, could you describe like some of the terrain of this, uh, the the Darien Gap here? Because obviously, I mean, most of us aren't familiar with the geography of that area. Yeah, the Darien Gap is one of the most inhospitable places on Earth. It is dense jungle. It is mountainous. It is wet. It is full of snakes, insects, um, all kinds of critters like that that are dangerous to people. And, uh, of course, diseases. Um, people come out with diseases um, going through the Darien Gap. I mean, it is it is as rough a country as you'll find in the world for people to try to traverse through that have very limited means, which is most of these people. And so um, it is not uncommon for people to die on that trek trying to get through the Darien Gap to ultimately get to the United States of America. And it's our policies that are incentivizing many of these people to do that. We heard from people that said, if we really knew what we were getting into, we would have never done this. Well, I mean, you're and you're there in Panama. I mean, they still have hundreds and hundreds of miles to go until they get to the U.S. So, I mean, like, was there any talk of people of I'm just going to stay here or I'm going to go back or, you know, this? I mean, is it all or nothing? Yeah, once they get through the Darien Gap, there's virtually no going back because they are in most people are in such rough shape. They could never make the trek back through the Darien Gap down to Colombia. So once they make it to Panama, they're they're pushing forward regardless of what happens. And the Panamanian government two weeks ago, they announced they're closing their border. But there is such a um mass migration going on they can't begin to stop them all they do is from bajo chiquito they get a boat ride from the local villagers much like we did to get there and they go to a migrant camp managed by some ngos and um governmental other some governmental organizations as well as um the panamanians that they get them queued up and they bust them through Panama the rest of the way to Costa Rica. And that pipeline continues through every country of Central America. They go from country to country and each country says, we can't handle this. We do not have the infrastructure. We do not have the resources to be able to take care of these thousands and thousands of people. We're just pushing them on to the United States. Yeah, so it, I mean, President Trump's um, policy for this, I, I, I can't remember the exact uh, the exact term for it, but it was, you know, the first safe country you get to if you were, you know, seeking asylum. Um, does anyone even consider that an option? You know, like you, you describe like people that are like, you know, crawling into these clinics in Panama. Does anyone think, well, this place is isn't bad. I'm just going to stay here. Yeah, most of them, you know, I don't know if a few end up staying, but um, nearly all of them they are bound for the United States. And these countries cannot handle them, whether it's Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua. I mean, with the oftentimes with the ailments that they have 
I mean, many of these people, when they get through the gap, they are, I mean, we saw people that were about to get gangrene as a result of the trench foot they had. And so those countries do not have the resources to be able to provide medical care for the, for them. They get them bandaged up, give them a little bit of help, and they send them on their way, bus after bus, headed for the United States. And the ones we saw last week, I would guess within two to four weeks, you will see them on the Rio Grande um, and uh, coming into the United States. All right, so just to summarize, so uh, people from South America, they, they, they get into Latin America, they get through that gap, and from there they're, they're home free. The countries load them up on buses and they just start shipping them to their own border. It, it, does Mexico do that from you know across Mexico as well? Yeah, for all intents and purposes. And um, but all of them, you know, I mean, there was a Western Union uh, station there in Bajo Chiquito, a Western Union site. (laughs) And these people are getting money transferred to them so they can pay off the smugglers, the drug cartels and just people that are, you know, average citizens that say, yeah, I'll help you get a boat ride. Um, you know, for a couple hours to get you to um, um, get you to the staging center. And but it all takes money. And on average, you know, people are probably spending five to fifteen thousand dollars to get to America. And some of them are are indentured servants when they get to the United States. They owe money yet to the cartels to the smugglers and they got to pay off those debts yeah who's, when they get yeah so who's sending them this money through western union i take it it's not all charities and nonprofits. it some of it is yeah. ngos giving uh some people money um uh some of it is friends relatives especially here in the united states that are sending them money to uh get them here but the other thing that is i believe is happening like these stimulus payments, so the, the, the stimulus bill that passed a couple months ago through Congress, that includes the $1,400 stimulus payment to illegal aliens. Hmm. I believe that some of that $1,400 or some of the people that are getting $1,400, that they are sending that back to the smugglers, to the cartels, to pay off their debts for them allowing them or helping them make that trek to the United States. All right. So this sound, I mean, obviously this is a, this is a big mess. So now that you've seen our own border, now that you've been down there to Panama, like what, what are, what are you prepared to do now in Washington DC with armed with that knowledge? Well, with the um, Biden administration being intransigent, basically saying we're not going to change our policies. In fact, um, from January 20th. In fact, with them doubling down this last week and ending the stay in Mexico program, I mean, they officially ended it this last week. They couldn't send a clearer message that the southern border continues to be open. And Secretary Mayorkas and others can say differently. Their actions speak louder than their words. And Vice President Harris still has not been down to 
uh, Central America or the border like she said she would. I mean, she should make the trip to McAllen, Texas, to the Rio Grande. She should go down to Panama and do the same trip we did. In fact, I would um, bet that the reporter we were with, Michael Yan, he would be happy to set up a trip for her to be able to see what we saw. Yeah, that's one of the more and, that's one of the more bizarre aspects of this whole uh, this whole situation was how she was put in charge of the border crisis and just pretty much blown it off. Yeah, they're. I mean, when you look at their actions, they're doubling down on open the open borders policy for the United States. They can say whatever they want to. They are doubling down. And I know they're talking about things like root causes and things like that. There is, so like any issue or situation, there's always a variety of factors that affects it. But there is one overwhelming root cause of this mass migration, this invasion that is happening in our country, and it is an invasion. There is one primary cause, and that is the open borders policy that President Biden put in place January 20th. And it sounds, after talking to you, that that is the, the only solution is for him to stop that, and it's all only, he is the only one that can do anything about this. He is the one that can change this. There's nobody else that has the authority that he has to stop the invasion that's going on of America. So how do you, how do you uh, hope to... Uh, uh, increase pressure on him to, to do something about this. Yeah, we're delivering the message. I mean, with us being in the minority, um, while there's legislation that's being written, um, Speaker Pelosi is not going to, she's not going to hear it. She is not going to allow it to come for a vote. So all we can do is deliver the message to the people of the United States that this is what's happening. And that's why we're sharing that's why I'm sharing the details of the trip that I went on with anybody that I can, as well as we especially are sharing the pictures and video that's out there that details the story of what's happening um, in Central America, in Panama, in the pipeline that runs up to the United States. And by the way, isn't it ironic that Joe Biden's very first day in office, he shut down the Keystone Pipeline, a pipeline to prosperity, the pipeline that gets us energy independence and greater prosperity for America. And he opened up the pipeline. He opened up the pipeline from Central America and South America into the United States. Yeah, it's hard to, to, to believe that any of this is done uh, uh, through negligence or by accident. Um <laughs> Can, no, no, this is yeah, purpose. Yeah. This is purpose. This is purposeful. I mean, I mean, look back at Joe Biden's words on the campaign trail in 2020. He said, not in exactly these terms, but he said, we're going to have an open borders policy. I am not going to send people back. And, you know, they portray this. I mean, two things they portray this as that this is just people from Mexico and Central America. That's not the case. People are coming from all over the world. We saw it. I saw a man from Senegal in that village last week. And there's stories of hundreds and thousands of other people. I mean, Axios did a story last week that said 37,000 people 
uh, this year have come in that are not from the Western Hemisphere here, that they're coming from all over the world. It confirms it. The second thing is that they're all destitute. We ran into Haitians last week that have been living for years in Brazil and Peru and making a living, and it's just now that they're coming in. Why would they just come in now? Because we have a reverse course as a country, and we are having a open borders policy. Yeah, so, uh, you know, before I let you go, um, you mentioned uh, this was not a State Department trip. Um, I, I understand you paid for this trip on your own. Uh, why, why did you have to uh, go that route? Why didn't, why didn't you uh, go through the State, State Department to, um, uh, to make an official uh, trip? Because I wanted to see the truth. I wanted to see the unvarnished truth of what's going on down there. I didn't want any delays in setting up the trip. Um, I thought it was so important, so uh, timely to go down there right now. When we were hearing the stories from reporters like Chuck Holton and Michael Yan, we were hearing the stories directly from them of what they were seeing on the ground down there. Um, I thought it was important to do this as soon as possible um, because I think this is one of the most critical issues that the American people need to hear about. And it couldn't wait another day longer to have this story shared with the American people firsthand. And uh, just uh, how have your colleagues reacted to the uh, reports that you've brought back? So uh, a few of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle have been dismissive. Mm hmm. And um, I just say to them, fair enough. If you don't believe it, uh, Michael Yan will give you a tour of the same exact places that I went to. And if you see it with your own eyes, uh, you will know that it's the truth. And um, I just will continue to share the story with my colleagues, just as I do with the American people. And I'm hopeful that more of my colleagues will go down there and see the real story of how migrants are coming from all over the world to the United States. Yeah, and uh, Congressman, and, and thank you very much for um, for sharing that story with us today on uh, the MacGyver Newsmakers uh, podcast. Was there anything else that you, you wanted to mention before, before we uh, let you get back to your busy day? Yeah, there's two things that I'm concerned about in the big picture. Number one is national security. Some of those people that are coming through this, while this is a humanitarian crisis, and um, um, for some people, this is a death sentence for them to try to get through the Darien Gap because some people will die going through there. And many pregnant women try to make the trip. Many infants and small children try to make the trip. It is incredibly, it is life-threatening to go through the Darien, uh, through the Darien Gap. Um, but there are people who wish us ill in the United States that can go through this trip, meld into the mass migration that's going on that could do really harmful things to America. And all you got to do is look at a couple months ago when a couple Yemenis were stopped by the Border Patrol that are on the terror watch list, one of them a really bad guy. How many people that we're stopping on the terrorist watch list, are we, um, how many are we not finding that we're on uh, the terror watch list? That's what concerns me because many of these people are coming in without getting any vetting. So the national security side of it is 
clearly the biggest danger to America. And the second thing is this is going to diminish working Americans' paychecks. You have this whole mass of people coming in, many of them that will only be able to do jobs that have, um, you know, that are lower wage jobs here in the United States. This will diminish the earning power of many Americans that work at those jobs that pay less than $50,000 a year. This is going to prevent them from being able to get a raise, from being able to work their way up the economic ladder because of the competition of low-wage people coming into this country in such volumes. I mean, it's very simple. When you increase the supply of these people that want that will accept working low-wage jobs, that will work for cash, that diminishes the earning power of other Americans. You know, it's all it's all very sobering, and it gives it gives all of us a, a lot to think about because obviously this is a very multifaceted problem and and congressman we really appreciate you uh bringing us this information today so that we could share it with all of our listeners so um yeah thank thank you very much for for uh, for being with us today yeah good to be with you bill and uh, um hope to talk to you soon this story is not going away and thank you for listening to this McIver Newsmakers podcast. I'm Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute, and we are joined today by Congressman Tom Tiffany. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and our website, www.mckiverinstitute.com.